Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. We haven't done a podcast for a few days. Got some tweets and uh, message board posts about it. Wanted to jump on and do a show. I was doing a little traveling this week, and uh, Harvey Hyde was taking a few weeks off, so we took a couple days off on the podcast. Wanted to jump in here. So we had Dan Weber on last week. Uh, I'm going to do a solo podcast today, so it'll just be you and me. There's been some questions that were sent in. We're going to talk about uh, those questions, talk about what's kind of going on around USC uh, what's going on with the NFL Combine that's starting this week. So uh, fun stuff going on. We'll do all of that. Just want to let you know, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail a couple different ways, 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you go to our website, parastylepodcast.com, and click on the left side of the page to leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. Uh, you can also go to iTunes, subscribe to the show. We have our own URL there, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. So lots of different ways to get a hold of us. I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Uh, we're on Audio Boom, all kinds of different places. So if there's some podcasting app that doesn't have our show, let, email me, and I'll make sure we put it on there. So we're all over the place on that. So guys, yeah, so, uh, we'll have, I'm going to try to have Dan Weber on maybe tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a Friday podcast post war room or something. Kind of talk about it. Check out the site. Dan's been talking to individual, uh, assistant coaches. Um, we've been putting those stories up on the site. So he's getting one on one interviews with those guys. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, there's also an upcoming junior day this weekend at USC. So that should be interesting. Um, and then Sunday is the LA Nike camp and we'll be down there in full force, uh, doing a lot of recruiting stuff. There's been some, uh, recruiting content up on the site too. Um, a lot of 2017 talk, of course, you know, guys that are, uh, to be juniors, I mean, all the juniors to be seniors and then even some, you know, sophomores to be juniors class of 2018 kids. We put up a bunch of highlights and we shot a lot of video, high quality video for you guys. If you want to check out who the next generation of USC stars are going to be. So that's, uh, it's always interesting. Um, and spring football, actually, I don't think they even announced the official schedule and all that stuff yet. But if you read the war room a few weeks ago, we told you. So March 8th is the day it's going to start. Uh, it'll be like a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday format again. Uh, and they will be open to the public. So. There'll be a lot of opportunities for you to come down and check out USC spring football. So hopefully you can do that. You can meet Dan, myself, Gerard, all those guys. Shotgun will all be out there. Keely. Uh, we do want to have shotgun on the show, by the way, before we, cause, uh, I want to talk about the basketball team. Of course, the basketball team hasn't been doing as great lately. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, they've been, they've been losing some games. The, the loss to Utah, uh, that was definitely a tough one. They had a nice comeback win against Colorado that I was at at the Galen Center, and uh, they were down by 15 early late and came back and won. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how this team kind of does. But we do want to have Shotgun on. He does a lot of USC recruiting, but he also covers baseball and covers basketball, of course. So we'll get him on on one of these shows, maybe over the weekend or something. 
it's just been a lot going on. I actually traveled up a little behind the curtain. I traveled up to scout, uh, there's scout has a big office up in Seattle and where the whole engineering team and product team and stuff is. So I got to go up there and meet with them and see about the roadmap. Very excited. There's all kinds of changes coming for, for scout, which of course means good things for uscfootball.com. So they have a huge engineering team. And the funny thing is that the last network I was at had like a half a person as an engineer that would just maintain stuff. They have this full team on with, uh, you know, huge, uh, to do lists, uh, you know, just all coming, all these things that are coming down the pipe. So it'll be interesting to see the future of Scout, the future of USCfootball.com. They're pumping a lot of money into it, making improvements, making upgrades. So hopefully you guys enjoy it if you're on the site, if you're up on, uh, USCfootball.com. So maybe we could chat about the combine real quick. Uh, got to see some of the interviews today. We put up one on USCfootball.com with, uh, Cody Kessler. Uh, so there's a video of that up on the site. If you want to see him, he was talking, uh, to the media. Um, a lot of GMs, a lot of head coaches were talking. Pete Carroll, uh, was up there. Gary Klein actually asked him about if he wanted to return and, um, be the athletic director at USC. He said no. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be interesting. There's some interesting stuff kind of going on there. We'll see how all the, uh, USC guys do. The two highest rated guys are Sua Cravens and Max Turek. Um, so we'll see, you know, kind of where they end up, where does Cody Kessler get drafted, how high, um, all that. So there's a lot kind of going on with the USC guys, um, at the combine, but it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. I don't think a lot of, it's not like a lot of the guys are going to be combine freaks where if you get that guy who was just a speedster that maybe didn't have a lot of production, sort of like George Farmer, I guess you could say he was, uh, last year, but you know, Sewell Cravens isn't going to be a combine freak. He's not going to have like a 40 inch vertical or whatever. Um, you know, Cody Kessler doesn't either. He's not a, he's not a wow you with his physical tools kind of guy. So usually at the combine, those guys are the wow you with the physical tools, uh, kind of guy. And USC is not really sending uh, a bunch of them to, uh, to the combine this year. So actually, um, they tweeted a list, uh, Kevon Seymour tweeted something and USC Trojans tweeted out. So, uh, good luck to everybody. You know, some of Anuku and Trey Madden, Max Turek, uh, Kessler, Sua, all those guys. So good luck to them in the NFL combine. You can check it out on the NFL network. Uh, I like checking that stuff out. So it's fun. Um, well, let's see. Okay. So spring football coming up. We'll have a bunch of spring football previews. Uh, we haven't been out covering. The winter workouts that are led by Max Brown. And that's really as a request, uh, from the players. They just kind of wanted to do their own thing for a little bit. It's, uh, I think everyone's just kind of getting their feet under them. So we just, you know, we've honored that. And I think all the, anyone that covers the team is honored to say, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll let you go for a little bit. Um, and so I don't know if we'll get any throwing to, to re, to re, uh, be able to cover, report on any throwing sessions before spring football. I'm kind of thinking no. Um, the summer ones are a lot better anyway. We, there was only a couple last year. They were, they were really disorganized last year. Um, and just, there was so much kind of going on. So we'll see how that all goes. But, uh, there's, you know, like I said, we've been talking one-on-one with a bunch of the assistant coaches. You can check that out with our own Dan Weber and stuff going on there. Let's see what else. Combine stuff. Um, yeah, not really hearing anything new on teams for Sua Craven. Still hearing like first round kind of deal. Um, you know, we'll see what Turek ends up doing, but it could be a long, it could be like a, 
Sua Cravens goes first round, and then there's just a long wait. You might wait two days to hear the next USC uh, player called when the draft comes around in a couple of month, months. Um, been talking a lot more Ram stuff because, uh, you know, being in L.A., and I cover the Rams too. So if you can go, you can go to laramsreport.com. We're just kind of getting that going. And uh, it's been fun. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on there with the Rams. And, uh, yeah, Jeff Fisher, you know, USC guy. He's actually going to do a camp with, um, Clay Helton. Uh, I think it's April 1st and 2nd. So you can check online, uh, for information on that. But that'll, you know, so there's already a USC LA Rams connection. How much does that impact the, the Rams? Uh, coming to LA, how much does it impact USC? Of course, monetarily, I mean, it, the, financially, it'll be a good thing for USC and the Coliseum having a, another tenant and help pay for that $270 million renovation. But I think they'll also just, you know, bring in something like a, a Jeff Fisher will be right there, you know, or a TJ McDonald who plays at USC. Just having those guys kind of close around, I don't think it can hurt uh, anything. Is it going to be a huge deal? Yeah, we'll see. But, um, really, it's, uh, It'll be, I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I love the NFL too. A lot of, I know there's a lot of college fans that don't. Um, but just being able to cover an NFL team that's, uh, in Los Angeles again, been 21 years. I think there'll be a lot of stuff going on. It'll be, I think media coverage, you guys watch too here in LA. Um, what the media coverage is going to be like. The NFL is so big now. I think everyone's going to be scrambling, uh, to cover this team. So we actually have a, a, if you like the Rams, we have a podcast. I do one with Steve Mason from here in, uh, ESPN radio in Los Angeles. So it's, he's on the Mason and Ireland show. We do a podcast called the ramble on podcast and we've had some cool guests like Lee Steinberg, the super agent or former super agent who could be a super agent again. Um, Paxton Lynch is his client. The uh, big quarterback from uh, Memphis he could drop to 15 where the Rams are picking. Um, so we've had some, some cool people. We had uh, DeMarco Farr, uh for, he won a national title at Washington was he won a super bowl with the Rams. He's an analyst now for them. So we've had those guys on, so it's kind of fun. But okay, so enough of that stuff. We want to talk uh, USC, but there's a connection there. And so I just wanted to kind of let you guys know uh, what's going on. All right, so I haven't looked at these questions. So we'll just go on the fly and see what we got. So Tarek wrote and said, can USC be a run-first team without an every-down back? It seems that every-down backs uh, tend to be in the 215 to 200 range, and there's no back currently at USC who fits that bill. I think it's a, you know, it's a good point. Um, USC traditionally hasn't been an every down back kind of guy, uh, kind of guy, kind of team. And, uh, they've always seemed to split carries. I think it depends on the individual, you know, and if it's, uh, in a, a situation where, you know, you got Justin Davis and you like him and get him carried, I can't see them going with an every down back because it's Ronald Jones or Justin David. I mean, you got to get those guys carries. I think it's more just about the personnel. Um, sometimes we see it more in the SEC where it's just kind of a one-back dude. And a lot of the times those are bigger guys. And USC doesn't have a ton of those on the roster or by any of the, um, you know, Akacedric Ware, I think he's a, he's not a huge, you know, as far as size goes, but he's kind of that kind of runner, more of a Lendale power type of, uh, you know, running back. So we'll see. But I, I just think, Tarek, it's not, even if they had a guy, if, if Justin Davis was 220 pounds, I still think they're going to run Ronald Jones too. Um, he's just too explosive. So it's just, USC's not been that kind of program where they ride one horse and they've been, you know, they've been that way. And you, you see in the NFL, it's rare that a team has 
their feature back. Uh, it used to be that way if you play fantasy football that, you know, most teams had a featured back and that's what you wanted. Now a lot of it's situational. There's a few and, uh, the Rams actually have one and Todd Gurley. So, uh, you watch him. He's, uh, he's pretty special. I just don't see that happening this year, barring some sort of, of injury. Let's go. We got, uh, let's see. We'll do. Okay. Brian from Birmingham checking in from SEC country. Uh, he's an SC, SC fan in SEC country. He wanted to know, uh, actually a question for me or Coach Hyde, but like I said, Coach Hyde's taking a couple weeks off, so I'll just take it. Considering the success Deshaun Watson had against Alabama's defense, do you think that T. Martin and Tyson Helton will incorporate some package plays for Green at quarterback? I believe SC should utilize his talent in that game to slow down Alabama's pressure on that front line. As always, love the show and fight on. I think it's an excellent idea, uh, Brian. I don't see that happening. I just, it's just not the kind of mentality that this team has. I mean, it's, and it's not even Clay Helton or Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, Pete Carroll. It's been this way at USC. And I, I don't know if I wrote a story on it, but I was talking about it. We're thinking about doing one for the last 15 years or so. It's been a, here's the starting quarterback. And only an act of God will get him out of the game. And if there's any possibility he could go, he's going. And we saw John David Booty's broken finger. He's still in there and I'm losing a game, but to Stanford, I believe it was. And you got Mark Sanchez, who's an NFL quarterback on the bench and you don't want to put him in. That was not about Mark Sanchez being talented. There's just this reluctance for whatever reason to go with another quarterback in a meaningful situation. They just don't do it. When's the last time outside of a, a, an injury? And even sometimes when they're injured, they don't do it. USC has put in another quarterback, not for one play, um, you know, where it's some trick play or something. It's a, you know, a wildcat or whatever, but for, you know, packages of plays or it just doesn't happen. And whatever reason, it's just not been USC's mentality. It's been all the different coaches. It's just, you just go with the guy. Um, but once you become the guy, you're the guy. Could, if Max Brown was 10 times better than Cody Kessler, would he have been put in last year? I don't think so. I just feel that they, you got your guy and that's where they go with. And for them that people, you know, we thought that Max Brown was going to get some reps, meaningful reps last year. If there was ever a time for it to happen, it should have been there and they didn't do it. And I don't see them, Brian, putting in some sort of package for just Alabama because of that. Maybe a play. I could see a play. I can't see a package. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. We don't know. We've never seen T. Martin as an offensive coordinator because he's never been an offensive coordinator before. But just the overall culture at USC, I would say no. So sorry about that, Brian, but that that's just my opinion. That's Harvey Hyde likes to say. That's just my opinion. Uh, it is. And I don't, so I don't see that happening. They'll prove me wrong. We'll see. Lloyd had a question. He said, Coach Helton. Uh, he wants to play power football. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would think you use a power back or maybe two. With a power uh, football, having a couple of fullbacks wouldn't be a bad idea either. Uh, if you look at the last few national championships, great defensive line. And on the offensive side, a power back. I just think that maybe they went a little overboard on wide receivers. Uh, I would like your opinion. Yeah, I think it's uh, you have some great points uh, there um, for sure. 
it's a different sort of deal uh, with USC and the and the power back. We haven't seen that guy lately. We kind of talked about that in the uh, you know on the previous uh, you know or two questions ago, whatever it was. So yeah, I mean, it, there's no fullbacks left, and I thought maybe they would kind of recruit someone. Now they're they're going to use the tight ends, kind of like the hybrid thing, but that's not uh, conducive to being a power football team. That's more of a adding a uh, pass catching threat. And, you know, I kind of think that that's really, that's what it is. Now, one guy that's interesting, um, you know, like I mentioned, Akacentric Ware, I think if you, if he gets some meaningful reps, I think he'll run, he'll be a guy that kind of run with uh, power, but the running back from Hawaii, Vave Malapai or whatever, I, you know, however you say his name, um, you know, he was a scout 300 player and uh, he's 210 pounds, you know, just under six feet or so. And uh, he was a guy that we thought USC could bring in, like almost as a fullback sort of thing. So, um, there, you know, he's another bigger, you know, a little bit bigger back, which is, you know, nice. But overall, I don't think when he's talking about, Clay Hilton talking about running the football, I don't think he's talking, you know, Big Ten, three yards in a cloud of dust. I think they just want to be more dedicated to being able to run the football and it could be out of more spread concepts. And I think it really will be, it's not necessarily your grandfather's, you know, power football. It could be running a lot without, you know, Stanford seven offensive linemen at time. Now I know a lot of USC fans want to see that. And I think there were certain opportunities where they could have, and they just, they haven't really done it but without any fullbacks on the roster, really playing USC mostly with pass catching tight ends, kind of, putting them in that role, the H-back or whatever, you know, those sort of roles. Yeah, I don't see it as, you know, quote-unquote power football. I think they'll, I think he wants to run the football more. He didn't do that uh, in the Holiday Bowl, but I think that's where they're going to be dedicated to doing that. And there's gonna, it's going to be a flashy run because you're going to have a guy like Ronald Jones that can make huge plays or, you know, get, you know, decent-sized losses or whatever. But, yeah, I think it, with the offensive line coming back, uh, should be should be very strong up up front on the offensive line. You got a couple running backs that you really like. Uh obviously the quarterback position, not really sure. And there's a lot of wide receivers there. Did they bring in too many wide receivers for this class? Probably. Um but the other some athletes that can do some other things. But there's a lot I mean I would have liked to see see it spread out a little bit more. But there's a lot of talented wide receivers in this class. So I think Part of the reason is you bring those guys in. Not all of them are going to are going to contribute right away. Some might not contribute at all, but I think that they brought in some really, really intriguing prospects. The problem more being that, um, can they find the second or third receiver? Can someone be the Marquis Lee to Robert Woods or the Nelson Aguilar to Marquis Lee? Or of course the Juju Smith to Nelson Aguilar. There wasn't a guy like that last year. And there was talented receivers on the roster. So that's more to me about the offensive scheme. One or two of those guys should emerge and be great after Juju. But can you get them the ball? Can they feel comfortable? Could it be like a Marquise Lee situation where he overtakes the number one guy? Could someone come in and challenge Juju for more catches? No chance of that last year. I mean, that wasn't even close. Um, you don't have to have that happen. It probably wasn't good that Marquise Lee ended up catching more balls than than Robert Woods when that happened, but you want to at least have that threat there, and they didn't really have that. So that's that's the important part to me. 
Let's go to Dan. It's uh, Dan from the class of 1962. Welcome, Dan, to the podcast. It's a solo podcast with your choose, yours truly, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com. Uh, what redshirt players can contribute next year? Let's see. He says, uh, Johnston, uh, Helmsley, Smith on the offensive line, Rector and Houston on defense. Of course, Darnold on offense have the potential. What do you think? In the past, we recruit guys like Townsend, then we don't hear from them. Uh, he had a good senior year, but where were the other four years? I've been attending USC games since the 14 to 14 tie with Notre Dame in 1948. Wow. That's a long time. When we stopped their unbeaten streak, all, all in streak. Also was it attendance, uh, in the West end zone for the 1964 win over Notre Dame among many other memorable games. Graduated in from USC in 1962. Fight on. Thanks for the podcast and great job, Dan, uh, 1962. You know what I'm going to do, and you got, I encourage you guys all to do this. If you go to uscfootball.com, and there's tabs across the top under our logo, under football, there's a scholarship chart. And I updated that a couple of weeks ago, and it's a really good way to show uh, where all the players are and what class and all of that kind of stuff. And you can see who's redshirted and who hasn't. It's really a good visual, if I do say so myself, good visual uh, chart of what's going on. So... Uh, as of now, uh, we our count has 29 freshmen, 22 sophomores, 17 juniors, and only 14 seniors. So uh, not a lot of seniors, um, and there are a bunch of redshirt guys. So let me let me go through the redshirts, and I'll talk about each one. Uh, so Sam Darnold, he you know, he'll be the backup quarterback at least, and uh, you know could challenge Max Brown for the starting job. So I think he'll have a role. Like I said before, traditionally, if he's the backup. He's not going to play unless it's mop-up duty. Um, but he had a big role last year just running the scout team. And that's why where he impressed so many people that I think, uh, you know, that's where you kind of are going with it. Uh, one name you might not remember, Ajani Harris. Um, he had the red shirt last year, even though he's a sophomore. He could certainly contribute. I love the way he – I love his game. Uh, a lot of wide receivers, again, who's going to emerge. Uh, Daniel Mentor Bebe. So he was a freshman last year, transfer from Florida. He redshirted. What kind of production did the USC get out of the tight end spot besides catching like three yard touchdowns, you know, on the end zone? Like, not really. Um, big looking kid. I like him. So I think he's someone that could play a role. The offensive line guys, it'll be interesting to see. You got Cole Smith, uh, Clayton Johnston and Roy Hemsley, uh, Hemsley. Um, yeah, with all the guys back, it's hard to picture those guys contributing, to be honest. Um, someone would have to beat somebody else out. Now we saw like Chris Brown come in there as a redshirt freshman last year and get some time. So yeah, if there's injuries and things like that, or, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, got a new offensive line coach. He might come in and like one of those guys. You know, Roy Hem- Hemsley's a huge dude. You know, if I had to pick one, I would say probably him. Uh, you know, Cole Smith. With the center position, you know, Max Turk being gone, if he comes in and, and does a great job, uh, you know, they, they've tried different guys at center. You know, you saw there's Khalil Rogers, Nico Fala played center. Um, so there's, there's some opportunities there, but I would think with all the offensive linemen coming back, not as likely. Christian Rector, um, I think he'll contribute because USC lost so many defensive linemen, uh, just, you know, for the being seniors and losing a bunch of them. Now they got seven really kind of defensive ends. They might change the way they classify some of these guys with Clancy Pendergast's scheme. 
Um, but I think he could come in there and, and make a little bit of noise just because they're going to, they're going to need people on the defensive line. Same thing with Kevin Scott. Um, they need some big bodies, you know, and, uh, you know, he's certainly one of them. John Houston, it's going to depend really on the injury thing because it just looked like his back was messed up last year. Um, you know, but he'll be, he could be in the mix on the offense, you know, with the, uh, with the linebackers. Um, you know, like his game a lot in high school. We just didn't get to see much of him last year. So if he's healthy, I think he could come in and play. And Achille Ross, um, bunch of safety. So not sure if, uh, where Ross will fit in, but you know, it could be nickelback. There could be some different things you do with him. Uh, but I'm interesting to see, but I think, I don't think anyone doesn't have a shot. Maybe, you know, maybe the least would be the offensive lineman, but, um, those are the guys that redshirted. And I think, you know, there's a, a lot of opportunities, Dan, uh, from class of 1962 for those guys to come in, but good question. Let's see. We have, I don't know if we said who this is from. It said, my question now would be about the support staff. How many coaches and support staff can each college football program have? I see that Alabama has tons of support staff, usually quality coaches in waiting, coaches who were head coaches at other programs. You mentioned Kenyoto Hudson was a full-time staff member. What exactly does he do on the staff? And if he had such a high impact on recruiting uh, with the players in Florida and some think, does that mean a potential raise? Okay, so the limits, as far as I know, you have a head coach, uh, nine full-time assistants, and those assistants can be on the field coaches. They can, and I think all of them are maybe seven of them, I don't know, but most of them can go out on the road recruiting. Those are kind of distinctions of what you can do. Kenyatta Hudson is not a full-time staff member, but when USC fired guys, he was one because he, so allow him to go out on the road, uh, recruiting. Now he's not anymore. So he's still a support staff guy. He'll be out of practice. Um, but he's not a guy that, uh, you know, he's not someone that's like running drills. He can't be on the road recruiting. Um, things like that. You can also have four graduate assistants and those are, those guys can't stay there forever. They're like a two year thing and you got to move on. You got to be working towards your degree. Um, they used to have two. Now you can have four. As far as like the administrative guys and the, you know, support staff, I don't think there's really limitations on that. Um, I think Gerard mentioned, I think it was one of the podcasts we did with him. Gerard Martinez, our recruiting guy. Uh, I think it was him. Clemson. If you watch the national championship game or the, the pregame stuff on ESPN, they had a 20 person room full of workers that, you know, full time people that all they did was social media, Clemson football, social media for recruiting. Now, USC probably has two people that do that, that don't do it full time. They're just like, they contribute to that. Um, they might, maybe they have some more behind the scenes that I don't know, but I believe, you know, two, maybe three that would do that. Clemson has 20 full time people doing it. So, yeah, I think um there's an arms race on the, that side of things and you can bring in retired head coaches that aren't they're not assistant coaches but they're they're part of the administrative staff. And you know, you have the video staff and they they help out things and um you know, your director of player personnel and uh direct, you know, all that stuff. So there's you I think USC's building that up a little bit more and getting a guy uh, like Austin Thomas, who was, uh, who worked for Monty Kiffin, uh, worked, uh, you know, for Ed Orgeron for a little while, but, um, you know, really was at LSU for a couple of years and was a, you know, great organizer. And I think 
a complete asset to whoever the recruiting coordinator is. I think bringing him in is a home run. He's a great guy, uh, really well organized and having kind of a new, def- um, recruiting coordinator and Johnny Nansen, uh, he'll be a big asset to that. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. I don't, I didn't write down the name. Sorry about that. Um, we have Jarrett. Five new receivers added to the core that already consisted of several contributors. I'm aware that most of the upper class and will be moving on after the upcoming season. Which of the five incoming freshmen do you see stepping on the field for the 2016 season? Also, what underclassman runs the risk of being passed up by one of these freshmen? Personally see a mentor baby as a splitting image of Nelson Aguilar, but I'm excited to see all these guys. That's from Jarrett. Uh, yeah, good question. So, um, Josh Mitor Baby, yeah, he kind of reminds me a little of Nelson Aguilar. It might be the the African heritage thing, um, but yeah, no, I think he's a stud. He's big, so he's unique because of his size. Um, I think there's opportunities there, but they got some big guys coming in. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's is big, um, you know, and he not you know, not as but he's he's big enough and he can high point the football. He's a guy that plays, you know, he's an above the rim kind of guy. He can get in the air. Uh, and Michael Pittman's a big guy. So the fact that those guys are a little bit different than what USC's had, you know, they're the Isaac Whitney and Daquan Hamptons of the world that were big, you know, JC guys they brought in last year. Um, you know, but like you said, they'll be moving on. So I think they'll have some shot. I'm curious to see spring football is going to be very important to this whole aspect because we just don't know what the team's going to look like and what the offense is going to look like and how it's going to run and, um, is it all the juju all day, juju all the time, or is it a little bit different? So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think those guys have a shot as far as who's going to get bumped down. It's, it's not juju. He's the only, but he's the only one that was up there. I don't think anyone's really bumped down because no one really established themselves. Like, what are you going to say? Well, Darius Rogers production is going to go down. Like he'd have a good game or then it'd be missing and have another decent game. And it was, everyone was kind of like that. It was so hit or miss. So I don't think anyone's going to be. Replace it would basically go from you had the occasional big game like a Deontay Burnett lead the team in in receiving yards against Cal and then do nothing and not you know not even a target in the next game I think it was the next game um, so does it mean well Deontay Burnett's not going to see the field at all or and one of these freshmen come in I I guess something like that's possible I don't think that it's going to be Burnett um, I like his game a lot too I mean there's a lot of guys that are really good. And it should have been a thing where you're spreading the round to the ball to three, four, five guys and USC did the opposite and stuck with one. Now it's a great one, but I think you just kind of stunted the growth and development of some of these other guys. So it's going to be a crapshoot. There's so many receivers, I think 13 or whatever. Um, a lot of talented, re- uh, all of them. I mean, I don't think anyone was, I mean, Burnett might have been a three star, but everybody was ranked four or five stars. So who's going to step up? We just don't know yet. We got Aries, uh, with the new coaching staff and USC finishing in the top 10 of recruiting. Do you think that USC will be a serious contender for the Pac-12 title next season? What's the buzz around campus and how do people feel about the new coaching staff? Uh, we talked, I think we've talked about this a lot, uh, Aries, but certainly it's a talented enough team and they have a shot. It's the coaching. I think the coaching's held this team back the last couple of years. Will it this year? We just don't know. You have a rookie head coach and yes, he's, He's coached, you know, eight or nine games, but this is his first, like his team, um, his off season. What does spring football look like? I just think it's way too early to tell, but sweeping the Pac 12 South last year 
It was a great accomplishment. Um, and they're certainly capable of doing that again. So they can win the Pac-12. Now the North is stacked. Stanford, it's still going to be Stanford, you know. Yeah, they lose guys, but still, you know, you got Christian McCaffrey. Oregon, probably going to be Oregon. Washington, going to be a lot better. When USC lost to Washington, they lost to a bad Washington team. They were a way better Washington team later in the season. So, um, you know, what is Washington State doing? Uh, you know, is Cal going to, you know, Cal had that six game winning streak or whatever last year. There's a lot, there's a lot of teams that are tough in the North. So, you know, they might beat each other up and, and give USC an opportunity, kind of what the South, I guess, sort of did, even though USC swept the South. Um, but there's a lot of bumps and bruises, USC going into the Pac-12 title game, but you certainly got a shot. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, I think there's more positive buzz now than there was before. I think signing day was, was helping them with that. And I think spring football can help too. Now, Steve Sarkeesian, I thought always won the off season. I mean, he was nine months of everything is awesome, you know, and it was those other three months that there were some problems. So we'll see with, uh, with Clay Helton. He, you know, lost his last two, wasn't really pretty. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of optimism now. And uh, spring football should be fun, so get out there and watch and see for yourself. We'll tell you what we think. You guys see for yourself, too. And then, of course, we'll see. Not an easy first test going to Alabama. Paul in Vegas. Ryan, quick comment. Uh, very solid overall class. Glad to see that our brand still resonates on the East Coast. Now the question, since you are a media guru looking ahead in future recruiting, what's your opinion of our social media capabilities in our athletic department? We do have one of the media communication. We have one of the top media communication departments in the country. Do we not? Should we, should, wouldn't we be utilizing social media and recruiting? Thanks, uh, Paul in Vegas. Paul, I kind of brought that up about the, the Clemson team. USC does not have the personnel to do anything like what Clemson's doing. Uh, will they? I'm not sure. That's something we could talk to Jordan more about. Um, he's got, we, he, you know, he does a great job with that stuff, but he wears a lot of hats. He's the, you know, sideline guy for the college uh, basketball team. And he does, you know, so he's, he's involved in a lot of sports. Um, but you know, really running that social media team that they have there, it's just not a big team, you know, and signing day. And I feel bad. You know, I, I took a shot. <laughs> I took one shot on Twitter at USC on signing day. Um, they were not tweeting out the players as they were getting faxed in. And I think, so I talked to, uh, you know, different people around there, they want to remain anonymous. And it was really coming from higher up than, uh, that team that does all the social media stuff. I think that basically it was a conscious decision that they wanted to kind of announce everybody as a team, um, kind of all together. So an hour or two before the press conference, they started tweeting out one at a time the different guys that signed. And, it, you know, they had this great landing page. Like it looked like it was going to be cool. But they really, I think, I think the social media team had their hands tied. They weren't allowed to do it in real time. And, and, you know, some of that's just a learning curve. I don't, my guess would be if they do that again next year, there's going to be a lot of pushback because I think they were the only school that I saw, the only school in the country that didn't push, uh, live stuff on social media. They waited till everything was in. Even just, you know, tweeting out, Hey, a fax just came in. We'll be talking about them soon. Uh, stuff like that. And they didn't do any of that. And so we, you know, we had a lot of people come up to us because we were tweeting out, um, you know, from my account ins at Inside Troy, we had graphics ready for all the guys that were signing. 
that had little signatures on it and stuff. So it actually looked pretty cool and people liked it, but, um, people thought we were like the official, like, here's the official thing of the guy signing. I was like, no, and we just prepared these graphics, but, um, because USC wasn't doing that, they kind of left a void and allowed, you know, people like myself and, and, you know, to kind of take over social media that day. I think for scout, I think we had the number one traffic in the nation, uh, for scout, um, for USC, even though we know we're not the, the biggest site, uh, wasn't the, you know, greatest class, but we just did a really good job. I think on social media, driving a lot of traffic there. And some of that's because USC didn't do anything. So they people were, there was a void and people were looking to fill, you know, someone to fill that void. And I think we kind of did that. So yeah, not a big team. Um, and I don't, I don't agree with the strategy they had. I'll just tell you that. I don't agree with the strategy they had. USC had not necessarily the social media team on signing day, waiting to send all that stuff out. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? I mean, we spend a lot of time on social media and we do a lot on Twitter and a lot on Facebook. And, you know, it's it's something that does drive traffic to the website and everything. So I, I do think it matters. It doesn't change the recruiting class at all. It's just really about USC kind of controlling their own brand and, and sending that out there. And I just felt they could have done a little different philosophy. It could have been a better job. All right, we got Justin from the OC. He says, I'm not a doom and glimmer, but I'm not a revisionist history enthusiast either. I had an interesting weekend on the message board where people kept saying things like, Pat Hayden handled the NCAA better than any other school. And, quote, thanks to his efforts, the football program is now in great shape, and this will pay dividends for years to come. He was a Rhodes Scholar, so obviously the decisions he made, he just knew better uh, than we did. Okay, so I'm sorry. This is a quote. He's a Rhodes Scholar, so obviously the decisions he made, he just knew better than we did. I was never a Pat Hayden as AD fan, but this is just insanity to me. Is it just me or have the sunshine pumpers completely lost sight of reality? Love the show, Justin and OC. Of course, you know, Pat Hayden stepping down. And okay, so we, we do get a lot of this where people say, he's a Rhodes Scholar. So it, okay, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He's an extremely smart man. He's a guy, he loves USC, die hard, everything, all that, all that caveat stuff. But I, I agree that he made some really bad decisions as the athletic director. Just because you're smart doesn't mean every decision you make is the right one. Um, there's a lot of things that go into decision. It's not just how smart you are. Um, there's reasons behind things. And maybe the reason, you know, there was a reason behind the fact that USC didn't tweet out. They had a reason. They had a, what they felt was a smart reason. Looking back and seeing that no other schools did that, was it really a smart thing to do? No, but there was probably smart people making those decisions and it wasn't right. I don't think it was right to not fight USC, uh, the NCAA harder. And a lot of the boosters I talked to, some are like, you know, I don't blame him for Lane Kiffin. I like Lane Kiffin. Or, look, Enfield's going to come around. I don't blame him for that hire. Or whatever's going on, you know, um, with Sarkeesian and not punishing him. All the, what all the questionable decisions we've gone over ad nauseum. You can make, like, cases. And people, and there's a lot of people that do. The one thing that the most people have complained about to me is how he handled the NCAA and not fighting tooth and nail. And USC ending up being the only school that got hammered over the last decade or whatever it was. it's It was the one-time thing. USC got hammered. They tried to hammer Penn State. They fought back, and they didn't get hammered. If you look at what they – their sanctions were not bad at all because they just really didn't get started. If USC's would have stopped right after they got started, you lose some. You lose that free agency period. You lose some scholarships that first year. There's some guys, you know, transfer and stuff like free agency. But this is now where you still see USC years after still trying to get back to 85 
Penn State doesn't have to worry about that. They have to, they're, they dip down a little and they could jump back. They'll be okay. I mean, their sanctions were way easier than what USC had to deal with. So yeah. So that's the one thing. Um, Justin is that's the one that I hear the most from boosters that he, they hate the way he handled that, but it's not okay. Patty could love USC and he does. He can be a great, he was a, you know, NFL player, all American, um, champion. Just he's everything he's done. He's done well. People wrote me and say, well, he, he took a pay cut to be the athletic director. Well, he is the highest paid athletic director in the country. That's another aspect by a mile. So you expect him, if you're the highest paid of whatever you do in the country, even if you took a pay cut to be that, you expect to do a good job, you know? And I think he's done a really good job in certain aspects of, you know, the, the, the bullet points that USC puts out, I agree with. And some people don't agree with all of them because they go, oh, well, this coach, he didn't hire and blah, blah, blah. But the main thing, the big things on the football side and the NCAA side, and you could even argue basketball, um, that's where I have the biggest issue with. Not that he's not super smart and the, you know, probably the smartest guy in the room, most rooms he goes into. Um, that doesn't mean he can't make a bad decision and you have reason. Everyone has a reason for your decision and you make decisions all the time. I do that, you know, might not be the smartest that you might like, well, I'm doing this for this other reason. And you kind of regret it later. It's shit like that. Oh, you can swear on this podcast. Shit like that happens, people. Um, so yes. So I don't know. Uh, and the other thing too is he retiring, his health is bad. So I think Justin sometimes such eye pumpers will, you know, look at things a little bit different light. But don't, you know, don't sweat. I mean, the thing you gotta look at though, he is a great Trojan, uh, loves USC. I know some people argue against that, but he does. And he's not above criticism though, too. So you can you can be critical, you get paid that much money, you're the highest paid of what you do, you can be critical of his decisions. And a lot of people are, and a lot of people aren't so it's just kind of up to you all right we've got a couple more and i'll let you guys go ben i guess this question is mostly directed for ryan uh you two find uh, you and dan find the hayden bashing inappropriate uh, uh, uh i don't know if that's a question you said do you two find the hayden bashing inappropriately late slash mean-spirited slash pointless but he invited that by hiring helton at a time when i'm sure he knew he was leaving I recall Ryan's scoop that Nikias, not Hayden, had hired Helton in order to please a major donor or donors or some ex-Trojan football stars. That story never got much traction elsewhere. My question is, what's your initial scoop confirmed? Or do you, uh, or do you find later that Hayden himself decided that Helton was the best available candidate? All right. So, well, you're Ben. Okay. You're a few things here. So you're talking about the war room. Yeah. I don't like the personal bashing of Pat Hayden either. Um, but I've been very critical of him in the past. Probably, you know, as long as he's the athletic director, I can continue to be the Coliseum renovations, all that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as that goes, yeah, I don't think you don't need, to, you know, being mean spirited and all that stuff. I just don't think you need to go there. Uh, but it doesn't mean you can't be critical. Um, as far as the, you know, it wasn't Nikias and the Hayden. I, yeah. So we had stuff in the war room and we've been able to, you know, pretty much confirm this that th- there was, uh, outside booster, big outside booster and former player influence on the decision. But I think it came, you know, a lot of it went through Nikias, but you know, Hayden certainly was involved as well. And I think that when it came down to it, it's just the culture of USC. It's not like this guy made the decision. That guy made the decision. The way the culture is at USC, 
isn't to go out and have this big search. And, you know, it's the familiar is important. And Lane Kiffin was familiar. That was very questionable at the time. He was a one-year head coach at Tennessee, you know, fired from the Raiders. Um, there's a risk getting a, taking a guy away who's only been somewhere one year. Uh, do you want to do that? There was a lot of red flags and they went there and then ended up firing him on a tarmac. Um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, same sort of thing. There wasn't this big national search. It was more about they had the guy they felt was going to be right. He's another Pete Carroll guy. We'll get this one right. And, uh, obviously did not. He lasted 18 games. Um, and so the Clay Helton thing was just along the same lines where it's the, it's the no, it's the guy, you know, and he could be great and he could be great, but I don't, and I still don't believe. And some people argue with me that there wasn't some national search going on. There, there were feelers put out. Um, there was some conversations that took place, but you have to go that extra step. Like, yes, USC didn't file an appeal for the NCAA, but did they go the extra step? No. And then he did go the extra step as far as the coaching search goes. And Clay Helton was hired basically at the one good point over the last month of the season. Oregon was down. You know, that was a bad, that was a bad day. UCLA was a good day. Then they hired him. And then, you know, Stanford was a bad day. Wisconsin was a bad day. So if you look at a chart, there was one peak, you know, uh, pumpkin futures right before Halloween was spiking and then just crashed afterwards. And right at the peak is when they hired Clay Helton and just try to make it more appeasing. So, um, I know it's kind of a long, uh, story to that, Ben, but yeah, I do think I, I firmly believe there was a lot of outside influence that wanted Clay, but I do feel the culture of USC wanted Clay. It made sense because the outside people wanted him. You know, Pat, Pat Hayden wanted to do that. You know, wanted to go there. Max Nikias, just get an adult in the room and get and stop the embarrassment. And I think that's really what they wanted to do. And and that's a guy. I mean, that's Clay Helton. I mean, he's the adult in the room. So I I have no issues with that. I do have an issue with if you would have gone out and tried to get someone else and really gone and done your due diligence. I think you could have had a different result. Now that's all kind of water under the bridge now, because obviously Clay Helton's head coach, and uh, you know. I think he can do some really great things, but if you know, I'll never, you know, every source I talked to, everyone I talked to did not believe. No one that I talked to that knows what's going on believed there was some broad national coaching search going on, and uh, they just felt Clay Helton was the best guy of all the guys that they looked at. All right, thanks, Ben. Um, I do like his staff. I like the staff he's put together too, by the way. So, um, yeah, I mean. I don't like the process. I don't like the way the set, the search went on and all of that. But I, I like Clay Helton and I like the guys he's put together on staff. I'm, you know, I have concerns with him never have done it before, having an offensive coordinator that's never done it before and a defensive line coach that's never done it before. I mean, having three basically rookies, that's a, a little bit of a red flag to me, but we'll see, right? We'll see what goes on. Peter in San Francisco. Who are the red shirts from last year who will play this year? And which of them are likely to contribute? Uh, can we expect any stars among these red shirts? I just want to know who the new faces will be on the team apart from the new recruits. So Peter, yeah, we talked about, um, that already, but I wanted to add, you know, the, the one point you said of who's going to be the stars, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so who's a potential star of all those guys that red shirted last year? I think you have to start with the quarterback because Sam Darnold could be a star. Um, I think a lot of the 
former coaches that were on the team that I talked to, they love him. They just thought he was great. Um, he ends up winning the job. He could make some epic run. You know, you could beat an Alabama in Dallas. I mean, you'd be a star right away. He's got star potential. Uh, I'm not going to say Daniel Amador Bebe just because we haven't seen them use the tight ends very much. So to be a star, you kind of have to be a big contributor. And I just don't see his position being a big contributor. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I, I just wouldn't put him in that category just because of the position he plays. Offensive linemen really can't be stars. Uh, I don't necessarily see like Rector or Kevin Scott or, um, you know, John Houston potentially, you know, former five star high school player. And I think Achille Ross potentially, um, could be, you know, on the defensive side of the football. So, all right. Well, hopefully that, uh, answered your question, but a lot of good stuff. And, uh, again, I apologize for not having a podcast earlier. Did a little 50 minute solo podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll try to have Dan on. I don't know if we'll do one on Friday. Uh, maybe over the weekend. Send in your questions though, podcast at uscfootball.com if you have stuff for Dan. We have some already in there for Dan. And I think we have a voicemail one for him too. Um, but we'll, we'll get him on next for sure. We're just giving Harvey Hyde a bit of a break until before spring football. So again, apologize for that. Again, it was traveling and all that fun stuff. So hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 